This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. From North State Public Radio in Northern California, I'm Jennifer Jewell. April showers might bring May flowers, but April, and even sometimes late March, is also the unofficial kickoff of garden visiting season. With open days and regional garden tours of all shapes and sizes getting started and running from now right through to Halloween in some parts of the country. While open gardens and garden tours are hosted by organizations large and small, and individuals both famous and obscure, there are few garden tours or open days as well-known or well-organized across the U.S. than the Garden Conservancy's Open Days scheme. This week, we're pleased to welcome Laura Wilson. Laura is a member of the Garden Conservancy team and recently relocated from the Hudson Valley region of the Northeast to the San Francisco Bay Area to serve as the West Coast Regional Coordinator of the Garden Conservancy's Open Day Scheme. She's joining us today by Skype from the Bay Area. Welcome, Laura. Thank you, Jennifer. I'm so happy to be here. So let's start with what is the Open Days program? What is its mission and when and why did it get started as a part of the Garden Conservancy? Um, so the Open Days program is the Garden Conservancy's national garden visiting program. Uh, through Open Days, private garden owners throw open their gates and invite the public to visit for one day. The program was started in 1995, um, a few years after the founding of the Garden Conservancy, when two supporters of the organization, who were also garden designers, came up with this list of over 100 private gardens in the New York, Connecticut area and presented it to the Garden Conservancy and suggested that this might be a great program for them to offer the program follows in the footsteps of Britain's National Garden Scheme, mm-hmm, Yellow Book. Mm-hmm. So the idea for this was the Garden Conservancy, who who I had as a, a guest a couple of months back now, is a a program that is nationwide to help conserve and preserve and keep open gardens across the country of significance. So the idea behind the open gardens was to help expand the awareness of, the access to not only the Garden Conservancy's open gardens, but also private gardens that would help expand this awareness of gardens as part of our cultural heritage and literacy. Is that Would that be an accurate description, Laura? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think most garden enthusiasts and educators commonly believe that visiting gardens is one of the best ways to learn about gardens and gardening and to find inspiration as a gardener and to foster garden appreciation in the non-gardening public. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are what are the ranges of kinds of gardens that are open and what is the range over the course of the year of of open days? Um, The gardens can range from historic estates to suburban backyards. Um, There have been ornamental farms. We featured a specialty greenhouse, urban rooftops. Um, Sometimes the gardens are designed and tended by their owners, home gardeners. Others are created with the help of well-known landscape architects. Um, And those 
differentiations, I think, is what makes it truly interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, All of those experiences bring something to the different garden visits. Some open gardens are private gardens that you wouldn't otherwise ever have the opportunity to see, such as that original hundred and something gardens that um, Paige Dickey presented originally in the New York and Connecticut area. But we also have some of our large regularly open gardens having special events on their open garden days. Describe some of that variation. Um, Open days across the country takes all different forms based on the needs and desires of the volunteers who are organizing the dates. Open days is a 99% volunteer-driven program, and so it often takes the shape of what the specific date requires. Mm-hmm. So give us an example of a private garden, what an open day at a private garden might look like in your experience, whether when you were on the East Coast or ones you have experienced on the West Coast, Laura. Um, open days is different than what most people expect from a traditional garden tour. And I'm actually, I've always been a huge fan of the open days way. Um, some of the ways that it differs from the traditional model is that you don't need to pre-register or buy your tickets in advance. Mm -hmm. You also don't need to go see all the gardens. Uh, you could wake up that morning and decide, oh, I want to go see one of the five gardens featured on the date. And I think that that more freestyle approach is desirable to lots of people and their schedules. Right. It certainly adds to a lot of flexibility and removes the pressure. The open day scheme, it's so open-ended and it's so broad in its reach that it's it's rarely crazy at every garden on that day. Is that? That's right. Yeah. That's right. We are striving at all times to introduce new gardens that people haven't seen before Mm -hmm. on other tours or other open days. But we also feature repeat gardens, gardens who have participated for every year for 20 years. Um, And for me, the value in that is this great tradition. Mm -hmm. You know, they share their garden every year on this one date, or they might change One year it's open in the spring, and then you get to visit the following year. They'll open in late summer or fall. And the entire gardening public doesn't go visit. And so, you know, sometimes you miss out. There have been years where I went to go visit a garden on an open day, but I was alone. And you're dying to go back next year with your friend or, you know, you had such an incredible visit, you just want to see it again. Once often isn't enough. And you're able to go back and see it again. I personally like that role. I, yeah, of I the do traditional too. Yeah, gardens. yeah, and you you learn so much more. I mean, as we do in our own gardens, when you can visit a garden and then get some sense of a continuum in it, so that you see how it's changed in the course of the year or the course of the seasons, or you see how the gardener's imagination might have changed. I agree, absolutely. Talk to me about what the how, how do you how do you find out about these. What are the fees involved um, and where does the money go to that may be charged to us as visitors? Like, why is this a great idea? The Garden Conservancy admission fees go to support the Open Days program and the Garden Conservancy. Mm -hmm. So um, by paying admission at each of the gardens, you are making a contribution to the mission of the Garden Conservancy, um, saving and sharing America's outstanding gardens. Mm -hmm. Um, 
the number one place to find out about open days is in the open days directory from the very first year when there were only, um, you know, 110 gardens, they published a directory and it includes the most complete information and details about visiting all of the gardens across the entire country. Um, they actually tried to move away from printing it, uh, I believe two years ago. And there was outcry. Yeah. Um, people, our supporters said, absolutely not. We want the directory back. And so they brought it back in 2016. It's something that I think a lot of people look forward to getting mm -hmm. in their spring mailboxes and save them, pour over them like you would a seed catalog. Um, I've heard that from many, many, many people. Uh, and so it includes descriptions of the gardens and um, the locations and maps to help you plan your day. Uh, they often include public gardens that are nearby that you can incorporate into your route. The directory also includes a free ticket. So be sure to rip out your free Open Days ticket. You can also find that information on the website. If there's ever any changes to the open day, it's always a great idea to check the open day's website. I would absolutely sign up for email updates to let you know what's happening and where. And I personally use all three. Yeah, um. <laughs> I do. I do as well. And I have the um, directory. I'm trying hard not to interrupt you in my enthusiasm, but I have my 2016 open days directory in front of me. And you're exactly right. It's it is this fantastic treasure of information, wealth of information about different gardens that are open across the country, across the year, so that even if I go to an area, I can look in the directory and just see what's available where I'm going in case there's an open day. And if there's not, I at least know what gardens are in the area and, and what I might be able to, you know, drive by, look into. And... I remember when I was living in the United Kingdom and was part of their open days, it was the same way with the yellow book. You're like, when is it coming? I can't wait. And so how does one get the directory, Laura? Well, you you don't have to be a member of the Garden Conservancy to attend any of the open days or to get a copy of the directory. Um, you can order the directory online when it becomes available, which will be mid to late March this year. Um, if you are a member of the Garden Conservancy, your membership includes a free directory. And what is the cost of the directory this year? The directory is somewhere around $25. Individual membership starts at $50. And so that include, that goes to support the Garden Conservancy mm -hmm. and all of their wonderful garden works. And like I said, that includes the directory. You can pre-purchase Open Days tickets as a member or a non-member ahead of time online. Members get 50% off. So general admission to an Open Day is $7 per ticket per garden. Okay. And so if you're a member, that's $3.50. So they sell tickets in advance, which you order online. Make sure you order them at least two weeks in advance to allow for mailing. They're going to send you a physical ticket booklet. And I think it's six tickets. The general price is six tickets for the price of five. Okay. And then when you're a member, you get 50% off. Oh, great. Okay. It's and a wonderful deal. Pre-ordering the ticket booklets, I think, is the way to go if you, you're organized. And so you get those in advance, and they're good for any garden you might go to. There's just a standard fee to go to an open day across the country, no matter what the garden is. Um, there are a few exceptions. 
in certain places they offer, uh, they do do a day pass and that is at the choice of the organizers. But Mm -hmm. in general, the majority of them is a single garden admission ticket. If you're like me, you love getting out into your own garden, but visiting someone else's garden is almost as good, just less weeding. April marks the kickoff of garden tours and open garden days on local, regional, and national levels. This week on Cultivating Place, we're speaking with Laura Wilson, recent past West Coast coordinator of the Garden Conservancy's National Open Days Scheme. We'll be back after a break to hear more. Stay with us. This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. Before the break, we began our conversation with Laura Wilson, recently the West Coast Coordinator of the Garden Conservancy's Open Garden Days Scheme. The 2017 Open Days Directory will be out by the end of March, allowing those of us who love such things to know where and when and which gardens will be open around the country this year. Each year, my directory has more pages dog-eared than the last. We're just back after a break to hear more. Welcome back. You moved from the East Coast to the San Francisco area to be the regional coordinator. What are the different regions across the country, and are there characteristic differences in those regions, Laura, from your experience? Oh, yeah. So we open gardens in the Northeast, in Charleston, in the South. Um, There is a large growing um, open days program happening in Wisconsin Mm. and Minnesota. Open days has participated since its start in over 40 states. Wow. We're opening gardens in on the peninsula this year that haven't been open since 2000. Wow. So it's constantly growing and changing and evolving. And I think that that keeps it really interesting for um, people who love garden visiting. Yeah. And so how many total gardens, like what, what is the total number of gardens in a given, like the range of total number of gardens in a given year? This year is going to be about 300. Wow. That's so great. You could visit one garden a day almost, Laura. How great is that? I know. I would I would do them all if I could. <laughs> exactly. And on the West Coast, so in the San Francisco Bay Area or the California in general, what kind, when will open days kick off about and when do they finish up about? So we've got seven dates in Northern California plus LA and Pasadena are steadfast open days and they take place in late April Mm -hmm. and early May. Um, We start here in the Bay Area on April 22nd in the East Bay, and uh, we're closing in late September in San Jose. When you sign up for the email part of the um, experience, do they mostly just keep you updated on your region and what's happening there, or do you get updates from around the country? No, it'll be just for uh, California, Northern California. Gotcha. So then I would know if one's been added or one has to be taken off or something for whatever. Absolutely. Right, right. Talk to me about some of your favorite experiences on open days. I mean, in my experience, these can be sort of transformational experiences, whether you're a garden host or whether you're a garden visitor. I have been a cheerleader for open days since my very first experience as a visitor over 10 years ago. I just love it. I can't say enough about it. <laughs> I mean, for me, garden visiting is where you I get to bask in all of your 
love and appreciation and understanding of gardens and beauty and design and uh, horticulture that you don't necessarily get to celebrate when you're actually toiling in your own <laughs> garden. You know, a home is where we practice. Visiting is where you get to celebrate your love and understanding of gardens. And then you go home and you bring it all back with you. And it's more to think about and apply. Visiting gardens is how you learn not only about gardens, but how to look at gardens and interpret the inspiration that they provide you. Mm -hmm. Where did you move to the Bay Area from, Laura? I was living in the Hudson Valley, which is where the Garden uh -huh. Conservancy uh, is headquartered. You were at the heart of it all. I was, <sighs> but I would still travel without even thinking about it. I would look at open days anywhere taking place within a two-hour radius. Mm -hmm. And for that location, it you know that includes the Berkshires and Connecticut and New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Um, I mean... I've gone to a lot of open days so if <laughs> and they're you... all amazing. They're never disappointing. There's mm. always something, yeah. uh, you know, if a garden isn't to your particular liking in style or plant selection, you still learn something from it. You know, mm -hmm. no one goes to an art museum and loves every single piece in the museum, but you still, the exposure to it and, um, the observation and the path you take to, decide what you like and love and want to hold on to, that is what happens when you visit a garden. I, I could not agree with you more. And I believe you are the mother of relatively young children as well. That is true. I have a 17-year-old and a 15-year-old, and they were very little when we were living in England. And I dragged those kids to every single garden I could. And it was a fabulous experience for them. And it was a fabulous experience for me to be with them in a garden. So that you immerse them in this experience of why gardens are part of our cultural literacy and part of our national heritage. And you hopefully teach them to be good garden visitors and have good kind of almost museum level etiquette. And at the same time, you have that great experience of seeing this space through a little person's eyes. And it's so different. It's so much more open and playful and just exuberant. And that's how we feel, I think, as adults when we go into gardens, but we're not really allowed to, you know, roll down the hills the same way that our, our little people might be. So with that, one of the great things about the directory, and I think good about these conversations in general, is the idea of garden visiting etiquette. Go over that for us a little bit, Laura. The directory always features a page about etiquette. Our number one request is that you only visit during the time that the garden is scheduled to be open. It's always important to remember that this is a private home and garden generously shared by the owner. You should always stay on the path. Don't touch the plants. <laughs> Leave your pets at home and snacks in the car. Our hosts, lots of our hosts, but not all, are home and present uh, when the gardens are open and they'll be wearing um, a garden host badge. And if you see them out there, you should speak to them and let them know you enjoyed your visit and thank them. A lot of work and love goes into preparing the gardens for the open day. Yeah, because it is 
a serious labor of love. And I don't care how many times you've prepared your garden for an open tour. It is anxiety provoking. You are working on it until the last second that those gates open, wanting everything to be just so. And with that in mind, I would also encourage visitors to be as positive, be as constructive as you possibly can in any garden space to maybe not say anything you would not want to hear about your garden in your garden. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, we don't, one of the many, one of the other many fun things about visiting people's gardens is that you can kind of, everyone does things for a reason, whether it's an emotional reason or they're maybe they're experimenting with something. These are the kinds of things you can ask questions about. Right. Uh, and we really can only guess as visitors in a private garden what the intentions are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's, I agree, it's nice to not make assumptions about those things and rather maybe wonder yeah, I think why that, things are so. I think that's a great approach is to go in with curiosity rather than cr- criticism or, yeah, I think that's a great, a great approach. Okay, so if you were going to be in the Hudson Valley area this summer, what are the three gardens you think – you loved the most? Oh, my goodness. Um, I know I'm putting you on the spot, Laura. No, it's okay. There's just so many. Uh, And so many of my garden visits, I associate with personal experiences. Mm -hmm. And so that really carries off into it. Um, I love the Highland Wente Garden. That's in Millerton. Okay. Uh, Is great late summer visit. I I don't think it's going to be open this year, but that's those are the breaks. Last summer, uh, I had the opportunity to revisit Amy Goldman's garden Mm -hmm. in Rhinebeck, um, and that was a particularly special visit for me because uh, I worked there. I was previously a staff gardener there, um, and so the opportunity to return while I was visiting in New York was really wonderful, and to see all these people in this garden that I had worked in was wonderful. And I also, I was thinking about it this morning, Ann Spiegel's garden um, outside of Poughkeepsie. She's a a rock gardener and very active with nargs. And that was the first garden visit I took my first son on when he was an infant. And Mm -hmm. I was thinking about, I had him strapped into the baby carrier and there's these... uh, tons of rock steps you have to carry. And I just remembered juggling him in the carrier and I had my big camera with me and I'm so happy to be out, (laughs) you know, after having a baby in the spring and, um, and I got to meet her and hear her wonderful garden story. And so that was a really fabulous experience as well. And here in Northern California, any recommendations of top three for you? Oh my gosh. Um, I know. I visited a incredible amount of gardens last year. Um, it was like 65 gardens or something <laughs> on the West Coast <laughs> um, in 2016. But I'm really excited about some of the gardens coming up uh, in 2017. So everyone can have the opportunity to visit them. Um, we've got a great day scheduled in May on the peninsula, um, in the Atherton Palo Alto area, Edith Bergstrom, who is a 
amazing painter. Um, she paints and collects palm trees. Her garden is beautiful, as is her neighbors across the street. Edith is also going to be opening uh, and doing a Digging Deeper event with us. Uh, so that'll be a separate event where you pre-register and can have a private tour of the garden and her studio. Amazing. I love her garden. Um, and in San Jose, Kevin Forrest, who is a, a local garden designer, is sharing his fabulous garden, um, which many people that I've met in the past year said is their personal favorite. So I'm excited that he's sharing his garden for the first time. Um, along with another couple in San Jose, uh, who are also palm collectors and their garden is new as well. And it's just such a wonderful example. Sometimes people go to the big fancy gardens and feel like they don't know how to, what to take away from that. Mm -hmm. I don't have that problem. But the second San Jose garden is just, it's immaculate and it's just a completely standard size suburban lot. And so I think people will be really excited about um, seeing what, you know, two guys on the weekend have done in their yard. It's really impressive. Laura, give us the website where listeners would go to find out information about either ordering the directory, signing up to become a member, finding out about gardens in their area and upcoming dates. All of that information can be found at gardenconservancy.org. Excellent. And you say the directory should be available middle to end of March. People who have already pre-ordered it or signed up as a member should just receive it in the mail as a matter of course. Correct. And the first date in the country this year, do you have that? Oh, my goodness. I can tell you that it's in late March. Okay. Um, Open Days actually traditionally opens in late March in Jacksonville, Florida, and also um, Hitch Lyman's garden in upstate New York. For those of you who aren't familiar with him, he has, like, the Galanthus collection. Ooh. yeah, I always wanted to make the trip and I never did. Uh, but someday, and I th- believe we're also our late March um, in Texas somewhere. Okay. Thank you so much for being a guest on Cultivating Place today. Thank you for having me. Laura Wilson is a member of the Garden Conservancy team. She recently relocated to the San Francisco area as the West Coast Regional Coordinator of the Conservancy's Open Days Scheme. Join us again next week as the conversations continue on the many ways people engage in and grow from the cultivation of their places. Thank you for listening. For this week's audio archive or to subscribe to the podcast, please visit mynspr.org. For more information, including many photos on this week's episode, please visit jewelgarden.com. For daily photos and more, follow Cultivating Place on Instagram and Facebook. Cultivating Place is a co-production of North State Public Radio and JewelGarden.com. The program is made possible in part by the Stanley Smith Horticultural Trust. Our producer is Sarah Bohannon. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation of your place. I'm Jennifer Jewell.